What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Next, on the OHIO Podcast, Buckeye Boggs and the Wildman rank the top 10 mascots in college football. They reveal the Mount Rushmore of Ohio State football in the 1950s, and they rank the top 10 returning offensive linemen in the Big Ten for 2022. Plus, co-host Aaron Brown joins us to update everyone on where he has been and when he will be coming back to the show. And this all starts right now. It's easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins. Buckeye Podcast, by fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OHIO! Welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Buckeye Boggs, recording live on this beautiful midweek day. That's right, we're patchworking this one together, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Wilds. Chris, I won't let everybody know what day we're recording, but how are you today? Well, let's see. It's sunny and warm, and I feel like I should be on the golf course right now, Eric. Yeah, so that's a good day, right? Yeah. 
If you're not satisfied with pickup games and under matches, chances are you're aiming higher than most. Aspire, you'll train to be the best. Whether you're drawn to the pool, track, map, basketball court, or gaming controller, we provide the training you need to achieve your dream. Make our facilities your home or take advantage of free transportation services. Are you ready to unlock your potential? Visit AspireCleveland.com today. Yeah, we're patching we're, we're patching this one together. we got different days. We're recording with different uh, people and folks and things. And uh, uh, Chris is going to be busy this weekend, and I'm going to be on a little short vacay this weekend. So we're pre-recording this one for all of you. Hope you all enjoy what we're bringing together. And today, Chris, it's Mascot Palooza. We're going to rank the top 10 mascots in college football. I've been wanting to do this for a while, my man. I I ain't going to lie. I got a soft spot for mascots. How about you? Well, you know, this is almost as good as Aaron and I. I believe you actually missed the show last year when uh, Aaron and I ranked the uh, top 10 traditions. Yeah. So this is, yeah, this was a lot of fun then. I think this one's going to be a lot of fun as well. Yeah. Now I got to ask you, Chris, what is your criteria? Because I, I have, I have mascots that are human beings that are dressed up. I've got mascots that are real freaking animals. Yes. And then I've got mascots with dudes or gals inside of costumes. Okay. So this was the thing. Honestly, I did not go with any actual quote unquote live people out of costume, primarily because even though some of them are really great, they're no longer active mascots. Mm, Okay. Now, there is one mascot who is out of costume, but is a costume. And that, of course, is Michigan's head coach. But I digress. He's just a clown show. All well, you, you know, though, he's in the bottom 10, no matter where you put him <laughs> in what category. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Uh, we'll go down from 10 to number one. Give your 10th and uh, why you put this particular mascot at number 10. Would you like to go first? Or you want me to? I'll go first. Why not? Go for it. So number 10 for me. How about Monty from the University of Montana? Is there anything more awesome than a bear riding a Harley? <laughs> Come on, man. So much fun. I checked out a few of the videos on uh, on the YouTube, and it was just you know a lot of fun to watch. And they seemed to have a lot of fun with him. I went with Monty. Good for you. All right. Good one. All right. So um, <clears throat> here is one of, I would call, a real human. And I know you're you're gonna be like, come on, Eric, really? But how about the leprechaun from Notre Dame? I thought about him. I would give him an honorable mention, but yeah, okay. I thought about him. I, I I dig I dig the le- the dude dressed up as a leprechaun. I would dig it even more if it was like, and gosh, I'm probably gonna get in so much trouble for this. What if it was a real midget, like Hornswoggle? Hornswoggle. Remember Hornswoggle? What if Hornswoggle became the actual? mascot of notre dame would that not be amazing dude if it, if hornswoggle was the actual mascot i think that might jump him into the top five at least at least because at of, least. because of the character that guy has right right y- you know uh yeah no I, i'm totally down with that like i said i would have given him an honorable mention um but uh yeah i can see that number nine chris go for it how about cocky the University of South Carolina. Come on, the Gamecocks. Cocky. I mean, this guy's this guy is not only fun to watch on game day, 
But this guy did some WWE TV <laughs> with DX. I mean, that's the ultimate and cool, right? I mean, come on. Oh, uh, I, I'm just gonna leave it right there. I'm not even. I'm, I'm not night. gonna dig myself a hole tonight. No. Number nine for me is Traveler from USC. Yes, the Trojan on the horse. Uh, the Trojan soldier on the horse. Okay. Again, you could go a lot of different directions here. I know you can play dirty if you want, but I think anybody who can like literally dress up as a Trojan soldier, ride a horse onto a field and slam their sword down into the 50 yard line. That's pretty cool. I'll give trap number nine. Now, come on, Eric. That's a great one. I mean, mad respect for the tradition. You're going with the tradition and I love it. Go for number eight, brother. For me, number eight, how about Donald? That's right. The Duck from Oregon. Oh, that's terrible. First appearance was in 1940. Actually, the likeness is Donald Duck. Leo Harris, who at the time was the athletic director, was a good friend of Walt Disney. Disney gave Harris the permission to use the, the Donald Duck likeness as long as he kept it tasteful. I like it. I, I think right. it's a pretty good character. I do. I, I, I That one I can't go for, but I understand why you like it. Number eight for me is Herbie the Husker from Nebraska. You know that I think the moniker or nickname Cornhusker is freaking awesome. I mean, if you're going to be a bunch of corn planting farmers, you might as well own it, right? Hey, they embrace it, man. They embrace it with Cornhusk. Uh, hats and everything else. And Herbie's just like this muscle bound cowboy from out West. And I, I love, I kind of love Nebraska's gimmick there. I, 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 if, if it's not Ohio state, I think Nebraska's probably got outside of one other school that I'll talk about in a minute. The coolest mascot, in my opinion, number okay. seven. Okay. All right. Number seven, man. Let's go down to Texas. Let's talk about Bevo. Come on. The 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 Longhorns, uh, the, Bevo first made his appearance at halftime in the Texas-Texas A&M game in 1916. He's been a tradition on the sidelines at Texas ever since. I think he's a cool mascot. Granted, he's a, he's a live animal, but, you know, I, I still think he's a pretty cool mascot. Number seven for me, how about Jayhawk from Kansas? Now, I know it's, this is mostly a football podcast. But the next two schools for me are mostly basketball schools, and their mascots are awesome. I I love the drawing of Jayhawk. Now, I think he's got just a cool-looking logo um, that the university uses uh, on, you know, like on their helmets and on their on their jerseys and, and, and their memorabilia. And I think he's got some really f- cool colors, the red, white, and blue with the yellow mixed in there just stands out and i think jayhawk is an awesome name too rock and he can throw jayhawk, it down. right yeah and you can throw it down that's right jayhawk number seven all right number six for me let's go to that state up north no i'm not talking about clown shoes give me sparty i love me some sparty as far as mascots go i think he's a he's a great caricature i think uh you know he gets the crowd fired up he's a lot of fun I went Sparty number six. Uh, I mentioned that this was going to be another basketball school. How about Ramsey's? The Ram from UNC. Yes. I think Rams are just really cool. Um, I could have went with the Ram from 
uh, Colorado State, which Colorado State's helmets are oh, that's cool. awesome. Yeah. They got some sweet helmets. But uh, let's give the as far as mascots, let's give it to UNC with Ramsey's. He's he's looking cool. He's got the horns. He's got a mean scowl on his face, and uh, he's ready to do some battle. So Ramsey's number six. How about your top five, Chris? Hey, here I went live animal again at number five, Eric. How about Uga? Uga's been around. This is the 10th Uga we've seen, and that's the University of Georgia's Bulldog. First made an appearance in 1956. You know, the, the Bulldog has kind of become one of the more well-known mascots in college sports. Uga number five. I can't go – I can't put him in my top ten, and it's because too many people have the Bulldog. And he always looks like he's half asleep on the sideline. I always look like I'm half asleep. <laughs> Maybe you should be Georgia's mascot, Chris. They could be the they could be the Georgia Wildmen. The the Bulldogs in better shape, man. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. You're getting yourself in shape, brother. I'm proud of you. Number five for me is one you already mentioned. That's Bevo in Texas, dude. Come on, a Longhorn steer on the sidelines yes. for real. Come on. I mean that is that is awesome. If you've ever seen a Longhorn steer in person. They are impressive, man. It, it is a beast, dude. So Bevo, number five for me. All right, number four. Let's go out to Brigham Young. Give me Cosmo the Cougar. Now, Cosmo is definitely tops among college mascots when it comes to dance moves. And maybe second, only to a, a certain mascot a little further up when it comes to hyping up the crowd. There you Cosmo go. Cougar, number four. Now, since Cosmo is a cougar, is it an older woman behind that? Hey, I don't know who it is, but they can get down, man. <laughs> Number four for me, again, another uh, uh, one that you mentioned, and my second favorite in the Big Ten, that's Sparty. The dude is ripped. I mean, I don't know if he's shooting up with, like, Conseco and McGuire and those guys back in the 90s, but dude is roided, man. Sparty. He, he a, he's he a, a Spartan big man. soldier. He's the original Reuter, man. He, he is roided up, dude. <laughs> All right. My next couple, I got a couple more live animals to throw at you. How about Mike the Tiger down at LSU? Come on, a live Bengal Tiger is the mascot. You know, the tradition started back in 1934, and it's been with LSU ever since. Mike the Tiger, number three. I can't put him in my top ten. You know why? Any animal that you have to have caged probably shouldn't be there. Okay. I can <laughs> just, respect that. Just saying. But this animal I love, and it's one of my favorite traditions. I bet it's my number two. I, it's one of my favorite traditions in all of college football. Ralphie from Colorado, yes. baby. When he runs out on the field with those cowboys who've got those ropes – I can't – I mean, that thing is just impressive. I love it. And, uh, I again, Colorado, man, great job on, on your gimmick with using your mascot and, and, and incorporating him into your university. Number three is Ralphie. Yeah, I got Ralphie in number two. And I'll tell you, I watched this great video on, on Ralphie and the students that handle him. Man, that was, that, it was a great watch. It's on YouTube. Just a little bit about the history of Ralphie as far as – the how the students come uh, to be a part of the uh, tradition and yeah i don't know whether the students are running ralphie or ralphie's running the students but they all look like they're having just a great time when they go at it so i got yeah. ralphie at two i've seen that video it's it's a, it's an actually very interesting watch 
I cannot believe you don't do not have my number two on your list. Chief Osceola, Florida State. And I see I went with I was gonna go with that, but you know, Eric, in today today's politically correct you know world, you know, not I only mean, that, but is is Chief Osceola still even active? Yes. Okay, so he is still active. I yes. thought he was one of the ones that was went the way of our friends over at Illinois. Uh, I hope not. I mean, I thought. I mean, it's been, let's be honest, it's been a long time since Florida State's been on. Uh, um, <laughs> he could be active and nobody would really know. That, that's I mean, why he's still there. Yeah. So I I, I just love the tradition of the flaming uh, spear and, and then yes. he throws that baby down. And again, he's riding a horse. Uh, I love that. I, I just think that, um, yeah, it's still active. I just looked it up. So. Um, although they say FSU does not have a formal mascot, they have chosen to have a dedicated partnership with the Seminole tribe of Florida uh, and display symbols and ceremonies to honor experiences and traditions of the local Native American tribe. Beautiful. So they can't they actually can't do away with it, Chris, because they've actually partnered with the local tribe. There you go. Nice. You know who else doesn't have a former mascot, Eric? And I just got to throw this out there because I think this is awesome. Honorable mention right here before we hit number one. How about Dartmouth? Yes, I saw this. The keg. It's a keg. (laughs) Is that not the most appropriate college mascot you've ever seen? Uh, If we couldn't have Brutus, can we have can we have a keg? That would be (laughs) right. (laughs) Oh, shoot. How about the dumbest one? How about. The the uh, cardinal, a uh, Stanford cardinal. I think that oh, thing the tree. Is, oh, I think it's dumb as could be. That's ridiculous. And first off, you know, cardinal, I've seen it ranked highly that. among people, you know, who who supposedly know. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. St- the second stupidest thing I've seen in football since Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> Just saying. There you go. Well, that means number one is probably we both we're homers. Come on, man. We're homers, man. But we're but homers. But it, have it's to be legit. I mean, come yes. on. He is the most recognizable, you know, mascot in college football, mainly because Lee Corso is always putting that head on. You know, I guess that's just the price of uh, being great, right? That's it. That's no, it. No, I mean, he, he does such a good. Brutus does such a great job at hyping the crowd. Just a part of everything that is Ohio State sports. Absolutely number one. Easily. Hands down. Brutus. Um, best mascot in all of, of college football. Easily college in general. So, yeah, there you have it. Our top ten list of uh, mascots in college football. And uh, hope you enjoyed that. How about we move on to our next segment, Chris? We started this last week. Our Mount Rushmore by the Decades. Now, I think this decade is hands down the easiest that we are going to face. Oh, yeah, uh, I agree. I mean, I think it's clear cut and dry, the four names here. So I, I, I'll be very interested if we don't if we don't agree on the four. I'll kind of be shocked, to be honest with you. But uh, how about we start with Howard Hopalong Cassidy? 37, oh, 37 touchdowns in 36 games was on the 1954 National Championship team, was the Heisman Trophy winner in 1955. Get this, was the Associated Press, Press 
Male Athlete of the Year in 1955 in all of sports. Yes, all of them. Major League, NFL, NBA, didn't matter. Hopalong Cassie was number one by the AP. He was a two-time All-American, and his number 40 jersey was retired by the university. I think that's clear-cut, easy. First guy on the Mount Rushmore. Yeah, so let's go ahead, uh, Eric, and let's uh, just go ahead and stay with that Heisman theme. And, and let's go ahead and go with uh, Vic Janowitz. I mean, come on, from 49 to 51, uh, 804 total yards rushing, six touchdowns, 367 yards receiving, 1950 Heisman Trophy winner, face number two, Vic Janowitz. I agree. <clears throat> We're two for two. All right. The next guy considered one of the greatest offensive linemen, not only at Ohio State, but in all of uh, football history. That would be Jim Parker was an All-American in 1956. Of course, he paved the way for uh, Hopalong Cassidy in this 1955 Heisman Trophy campaign. Uh, Parker won the Outland Trophy in 1956, and he currently sits in both the college football and NFL Hall of Fame's Jim Parker. Correct me if I'm wrong, Eric, but was Jim Parker not Ohio State's first uh, Outland Trophy winner? I'm not sure. That's I believe a good he question. May have been. He he might have been. Yeah, that's a, a you know what? While you tell me who you have number four, I'll look that up. Well, for me, I'm going to the other line for this one. 1956 to 1958, I went with Jim Marshall. You know, Marshall just played two seasons at Ohio State, but definitely left his mark. Uh, was a member of the 57 uh, championship team, was named an All-American the following season. In 58, he, he did something amazing. In 1958, Purdue and Ohio State played to a 14-14 tie, where Jim Marshall, defensive end, had all 14 points. He intercepted a pass and returned it for a touchdown. He blocked a punt, returned it for a touchdown. Oh, by the way, Eric, he kicked both the extra points as well. Jim Marshall was my number four. Okay. We do have a disagreement. So, But first, Jim Parker indeed was Ohio State's first Outland Trophy winner. So good call on that. All right. I did not go with Jim Marshall. I went with another Jim. That being Jim Houston. Houston was a two-time MVP of the team, a two-time All-American, a team captain, was on the 1957 National Championship team, Be, was uh, was put in the Varsio Hall of Fame in 1979, was named the starting defensive end for Ohio State's All-Century team, And listen to this stat. You had an interesting stat for Marshall. Here's an interesting stat for Jim Houston. He won a state title, a college uh, national championship, and an NFL championship while doing it all within the same state. So he won a high school championship in Ohio, the national championship when he was at Ohio State, and the NFL championship when he was with the Cleveland Browns. I don't know that anybody else has ever done that. I doubt it. So we got to figure out how we're going to how we're going to do this between Marshall and Houston because I I'm pretty I'm pretty stuck on Houston given his stats. You, you know what? 
I'll tell you what, Eric, I'm going to bend on this one. And what's going to do it for me is that he was a two-time All-American, whereas Marshall was one-time All-American. Did a little bit longer, had a little bit more sustained, I think, yes. is what you could Marshall say. Marshall only played two years, <clears throat> uh, whereas Houston did play a full four-year career here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you for thank you for leaning. I'll probably do the same next week uh, for the '60s. Although that that's going to be <clears throat> that's when it's going to start to get tough, man. <laughs> yeah. Gonna, yeah. That's going in, everything's going out the window in the '60s. Yeah. When we start getting into these next decades, Chris, there's literally like it's going to be so hard to decide because it's going to create arguments. I get it, and I, and that's what I want this to do is to create some some good conversation between you and I, and maybe even up to the fans on how we're going to, how we're going to come up with a consensus as far as the Mount Rushmore for that decade. So uh, the forties were good. The fifties, you've got, it got pretty, I got a lot better actually, even with Vic, cause you got, you know, you got, you had to include Vic Jana, Janowicz as a, uh, as, as a fifties, as even though he played during the fo- late forties, he didn't graduate until 1950. So he gets counted in that decade and you couple him with Parker and Cassidy Gosh, Houston, that's a good that's a good group right there. All right, so we have been uh, previewing uh, the Big Ten uh, for the last couple weeks by telling you who the top ten uh, returning. I guess we did. Let's see, we started with uh, running backs, if I'm not mistaken. We did running backs and, first. And did wide receivers last week. Yep. This week, let's talk about the big ug- uglies up front, the offensive linemen, and Chris. Interestingly enough, this is going to have a two-team theme for me mostly here um, um, between the two best teams in the Big Ten. Now, I do have a couple different guys from other teams sprinkled in here or there, but it's just a couple. It is mostly an Ohio State and Michigan list here. And, yeah, I'm with you, Eric. And and, 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 that's not, and that's not just hyperbole. This is for real. Ohio State and Michigan, hands down, have the two best offensive lines in the Big Ten, and it's not even close, Chris. Yeah, I think I've got uh, – I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I've got uh, th- uh, four, Ohio State, three from that team up north, and then three from the rest of the Big Ten. Uh, that's exactly what I got. Okay, so let's see if we're going to be in step with one another. We're probably a little bit different here and there, but that's that's to be expected. But I, if we land all 10 guys, you and I both, and we did not talk about this, folks, at all before we did this research. So this will be very interesting. Okay, I'll go first this time. Okay. Number 10 for me, let's stay here at Ohio State, and let's go with Matthew Jones. Now, th- what's interesting about Jones He's not really been a consistent starter for us in the past. He's been he's been that fifth guy or that that first guy off the bench at guard for the last couple of years, but we've had to call on him quite a bit because of injuries, Chris. And so here he is now in his I believe his senior year here and he's going to be a first year starter, but he's got a lot of experience and here's what's awesome about him. When he was in the games, Ohio State ran the ball much better. When he then when then when he wasn't in the game, absolutely. Games. And PFF Pro Football Focus, uh, um, basically with their their stats that they give out for um, offensive linemen, have proved that to be absolutely true. That is not just something we think; it is fact. When he was in the game, Ohio State's yards per carry were better than when he was on the sideline. 
He is a road grader. He is going to push that line, and he's someone you can run behind. I have Matthew Jones at number 10. Yeah, Eric, I actually do as well. That's uh, Here we go again, right? Right. No, I, I've got him in there as well. I think that he's going to have a really uh, great season. And, and I look back to what you were saying, and I can remember the podcast when uh, Mumford went down and uh, Jones came in. I remember us commenting about how much better they ran the ball with the true guard in the game. So, yep, I've got him in at number 10 as well. All right, number nine for me. Let's go up to the Mitten Kittens. This is their first of three. He's the name that's probably one of the more well-known names uh, on their offensive line because it's unique. And that's also a guard, Zach Zenter. He's a three-year starter for the uh, uh, Mustard and Navy. And um, he's he's good. I, I don't know what else to say, guys. He's He's really good. Our defensive line found out that he he's a spitballer, man. He's going to dig his his cleats into the field, into the turf, and he's a wall. So Zach Zinter, number uh, number nine for me in the offensive line, is returning for the in the Big Ten. Yeah, I've got him just a little bit further up. Okay. Uh, actually, at number nine, I actually have Jalen Duncan from Maryland, uh, the two-time honorable mention Big Ten guy. He's an Athlon Sports preseason pick to be a uh, All Big Ten player this year. Appeared in all 13 games last season. 11 starts, left tackle. Uh, he was the Pro Football Focus Offensive Lineman of the Week when they played Kent State. Yeah, you know he they had a great season last season. Set all kinds of uh, program records in the passing game. And let me tell you, Duncan was a big part of it. I've got Duncan in at number uh, number nine. Number eight for me, the Wisconsin Badgers are known for having great offensive linemen and great running games. Unfortunately, they don't have too many guys that they can count on with experience this year who did well. But one guy, and that center, Joe Tipman, seems to be that guy. He will be a second-year starter, and he is anchoring this offensive line uh, up in whiskey and he is the he's the he's the name there he's the best guy on that team um, some have him a little bit higher rank than Luke Whipler at that position I do not I would rather have Whipler than I would Tipman however Joe is the is a is a big time recruit that went to Wisconsin and is actually performing well so I got I had to put at least one guy from Wisconsin on this list Chris I felt like that was they they were owed that. So Tipman's the man. Yeah, this is where I've got uh, Tipman as well. Uh, you know, you talked about it. Great center, very consistent. Uh, was the highest graded or Wisconsin's second highest graded uh, offensive lineman last season. He actually was the sixth highest graded starting center in the entire country according to Pro Football Focus. I've got him in at eight as well. All right, number seven. I mentioned him, Luke Whipler. Dude burst onto the scene last year, uh, filling in for Harry Miller, and we all were wondering how was that going to go. Well, it went pretty doggone good, Chris. He had a great season. I only remember maybe two poor snaps the whole season. One was the opening game in Minnesota when it was was raining. And he had one bad snap then, a little bit, you know, early season jitters. And I don't really think – I think there was only one more the rest of the year, maybe maybe two. 
but he did great snapping the ball his first time, and he did wonderful. And his he's got a huge IQ, really high IQ, and he works well, obviously, with C.J. Stroud. I don't think you can't have this guy on the list. Yeah, no, no, I got you. I agree with you there. Uh, actually, here for me, number seven, this is where I had Zach Zentner. Um, you know, you talked a lot about him. Michigan last year had num- the Big Ten's number one rushing offense. This was Kib is a big reason why. Uh, I think that that team up north, they're going to have a very solid game, uh, run game again this season with the offensive line they've got put together. Let's just stay up there, unfortunately. Number six, Ryan Hayes. This is a mountain of a man. He's going to be a third-year starter for for uh, Clown Shoes. And um, he was a problem against us last year. We, we didn't get any pass rush, and this was one of the reasons why Ryan Hayes locked us down. And uh, this guy's uh, looking to come back again and do it again. Hopefully our defensive line will be up for the task this time, and uh, he won't uh, – won't dominate us like he did last year. Ryan Hayes, number six for me. Yeah, I've got him in at six as well, Eric. Like you said, 18 starts under his belt now. He was a second-team All-Big Ten last season. Look for big things from him again this season. Hopefully, uh, like you said, though, our pass rush can solve uh, Ryan Hayes and uh, you know get that quarterback on his back a little bit this season. Number five. Another center. How about John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota? You've got to be a tough dude to have the name John Michael Schmitz. You know what I'm saying? Like that's not just a name that you give somebody and he not end up getting tough in his life. Okay. Like that's going to go one of two ways, either very badly or very good. And for him and the Golden Gophers, it went very well. He is the highest, uh, a second highest ranked center in the Big Ten. Uh, by many of the preseason prognosticators, and this will be his third year starting there. And so, again, Minnesota, which had a great running game last year and in the past had a really good passing game, uh, they're anchored up the middle again, just like Wisconsin is, and it's with John Michael Schmitz. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right, Eric. I've actually got him in at four. My number five was Luke Whipler, who you've already talked about. Uh, you know, Whipler... I think one of the the top interior line guys in all of college football right now. Uh, He was one of the 15 highest graded centers in FBS in his first season as a starter last year. You know, he ranked in the top 10 in both negatively, uh, negatively graded run block rate and pressure allowed rate. Did a tremendous job. I look for him to step up and be even bigger this year. I've got Whipler in at number five. And uh, as I said, your boy Schmitz, I actually had it number four. So, yeah. Well, number four for me. How about Big Dwan Jones? Tackle Ohio State on the right side. He'll be a second year starter. I still go back and remember that first time he got in the game in Northwestern and he absolutely cleared out the entire defensive line. And Master Teague had the hole the size of the Grand Canyon to run through um, and score that big touchdown. And then he chased him down the field after absolutely pancaking like three or four guys completely dominoing them. Dewan Jones is a character. He is a lovable big teddy bear. Um, he's probably one of, if not the largest guy on this list. 
And after last year, which he had a pretty good season and a season in which he probably could have went to the NFL and gone in like the fourth or fifth round, he comes back. I look for Dwan Jones to have an amazing season and be no worse than a second day pick in the NFL draft next year. And of course you had uh, Schmitz at number four, you said. Yes, sir. All right. Anything to add on him? You want to go to number three? Let's go on to number three. All right. So interestingly enough, I'm assuming that two of our th- – we've got at least two of these next three guys are the same for you and I. Yeah, I actually miscounted, Eric, because I did not have four, uh, three Michigan. I only had two. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, that's fine. Uh, how about number three for me? And you might have to help me with this name. Peter Skorinski. The tackle at Northwestern. Skorinski, yes. Skorinski. He uh, was a five-star, like the lone five-star Northwestern has ever gotten in recruiting. Uh, Been a starter since his second year on campus. This will be his third year. And uh, he is considered one of, if not one of of the lock NFL tackles to be taken next year. Probably, again, second and third round unless something, something tragic happens. And he is on a team that did not have a lot of bright spots offensively, one of the lone bright spots on that team. And he anchors that offensive line. You put Peter Skorinski on just about any other team other than Northwestern. He's definitely still playing. And that tells you how good he is. So I got Peter Skorinski at number three. I had uh, big Dewan Jones at number three, you know, freakish size. I mean, we we've seen him up close and personal there, Eric, as we were, uh, watching the team go into the stadium, you know, big, strong man. And like you said, he is a beast when he gets out there on the field. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and, and repeat everything you t- threw out there as far as numbers go, but I've got Dewan Jones in at number three. All right. Number two for me. And uh, again, this is a terrible name. We're going back up to Michigan here, unfortunately. Good luck with this one, Eric. Yeah, this is their transfer from Virginia. Olus, Oluskin, Oluwatami, Oluwatimi, Oluwatami, Oluskin, Oluwatami. Yeah, that sounds right. I'm not sure if it is, but it sounds right. Transfer from Virginia, correct? Virginia, where he was uh, a Remington finalist, Chris. Dude could have went to the NFL and been picked on the second day, decided to stay in college for one more year, And somehow Harbaugh gets lucky and gets this guy to transfer to him. He's the best lineman on their team, and he's a transfer. Now, usually we don't say transfers are going to be, you know, if you're counting on them, that's not a good thing, right? But in this case, I actually think it is for them. Um, This is like, I think, the third guy on our list that we have talked about transferring into the Big Ten. You had the receiver for Penn State last week who transferred from – um, Eastern Western Michigan, Kentucky. Western Kentucky. Thank you. And then you had the running back transfer from Colorado, I believe it was, to, to Michigan, Michigan State. State yeah. And here you got the center from Virginia coming to that state up north. And he's a good one, guys. Everybody talks about him being one of the best linemen in all of college football, not just the Big Ten. And so you have to put him on the list as much as it pains me to say it. As much as that vinegar in my mouth does not taste good, there it is. That's the truth, Chris. 
Okay, we'll go with that. I went with Skarinski here at number two. Um, you know, like you said, two-time All-Big Ten performer. He got a first-team selection last year. Football is in his blood. You know, his his grandfather, Hall of Fame uh, offensive lineman for the Green Bay Packers. His dad uh, was a defensive lineman for Yale. So, I mean, this guy is just a big physical beast. Uh, would not surprise me at all to see this guy be a day one uh, draft pick next season. So, does that mean that you've got Paris Johnson at number one? That does indeed. Who is indeed who I have at number one. So, you did not have Old I did not have the transfer on my list. Really? Now, I got to ask why. It is, are you are you are you one of those guys who feels like if you transfer in, you know, given competition, given the fact that if you transferred, you're really not a stud, you know, is that kind no, of where you're no, thinking I mean, that with that? Because because I was one of the ones who, you know, I was right there with you and ranking the, the kid from Western Kentucky way up towards the top of the list. Yeah. Um, no, I, I do think that there's something to be said for the competition level in the ACC, though. That's I fair. also think there's a lot to be said for how badly Harbaugh can screw up somebody's game. <laughs> so, <laughs> y- you know, until I see him do it in the Big Ten for Harbaugh, I, I was a little hesitant. Fair enough. I think those are good arguments you make, uh, Chris. So why don't you tell me why Paris Johnson's number one for you? Well, you know what? Johnson played guard last year. You know, he's obviously going to bounce back out to tackle this year. Dominant against the run and the pass. Just, I think he's a favorite to win the Outland Trophy this season. He is just dominant on the offensive line. He has great footwork. He's quick. He has the athleticism of a guard, but the physicality of a tackle. For me, I I love him. I think he is the, you know, number one. I'm not, I'm not sure if he's number one in all of college football. He's top five for sure in all of college football, but definitely number one in the Big Ten. So I Paris Johnson, five star, right? Okay. Absolutely. You had before him other five star offensive linemen. You had Harry Miller, who was a five star. Mm-hmm. We know how that has gone. You had Nicholas Petit Frere. He was a five star. Now he was a late developer. Yes. Paris has developed, I think, on he's developed on par. Now the problem was that you had Paris at, at guard you know, out of position. Now you move him to his natural position. Paris Johnson has played left tackle his entire life. And I think you're going to see one of the things you could say is because, because he was out of position playing right guard last year, we still didn't hear about his name being called very much. And as an offensive lineman, that's usually a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah. I think this year you're going to see him shine at left tackle. I think this is going to be one of the better tackle performances in the season we have seen at Ohio state in a long, long time. I think he is a first round draft pick next year. I think that he will win and uh, he'll be named first team, all American first team, big 10. I think he will go through the season and, and not give up hardly any sacks at all, all year. If he does, it might be a like one fluke one. You know what I mean? I think this yeah. guy has every opportunity to have the kind of year that you talk about for a long, long time. 
at Ohio State. That's how good I think he is. Now, is that a lot of I thinks and potential? Yes, it is. But given his recruiting ranking, given what everybody is saying about him and the buzz surrounding him this offseason, and given the kind of competitor that he is, Chris, I think the dude succeeds immensely this year. And you couple that with Dewan Jones on the other side, uh, Matthew Jones finally getting the starting at guard, and Luke Whipler, you know, having a, a year under his belt at center. I do believe Ohio State has the potential to have the best offensive line in the Big and, Ten. And don't don't forget the five star Donovan Jackson who's going to be playing guard as well. And he might surprise us and be every bit as good, if not it, better, than than uh, Paris was last year at right guard. Yeah, I mean he, he's nimble for a big guy. He's very nimble for a big guy. Very athletic. You know, so he has that athleticism to play the guard position. I'm really excited to see what he does. You know, part of the problem, I think, with why we have had such kind of a, I won't use the word disdain, but kind of a disappointment in our offensive line over the past few years, and probably why Coach Stud is no longer with us, is because we we had such a concentration on passing the football, but it was out of necessity, Chris. We just weren't running the football effectively enough since Ryan Day has taken over as head coach. And I think Ryan Day put a lot of that blame on Coach Stud for that and why he went out and got a different offensive line coach. And I think that there's definitely an emphasis, given the talent that we have in the backfield, there's been an emphasis this offseason on getting tougher up front, making the running game the identity of this offense. We know we can pass the football. That's not going to be an issue. And I know Ryan Day's like, hey, look, we've got to be balanced. But in order to be balanced, that means we have to run the football. That's going to be our identity. And I think this offensive line is just going to blow people up this year, Chris. Well, the other thing, when I look at these guys that we've got on this offensive line, yeah, like you said, they can pass block. But you know what else? I think we got some mean back. We got some meanness back in this line. And that's what moves the football on the ground. Getting those tough yards, being mean, throwing people around. And I think we got five guys that are going to be up there who can do it. These guys got – I mean, the offensive line got embarrassed last year in Ann Arbor. Let's just call it like it is. They, oh, they, absolutely. They, at the end of the season, they could not run the football at all. And, 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 and when you have your rival basically say you are a finesse team and we took your manhood, that, that don't like light a fire underneath you. I don't know what will. It's kind of like our guest last week, Davis said, was talking about man. He's like, if I'm if I'm fired up, you know they better be fired up. Like th- th- this is this is all 2022 is all about being meaner, tougher, just badder than your opponent, man. When it comes to the offensive line and defensive line, and if we can return to that type of mentality that the 2014 national championship team had on their offensive line, when uh, I'm with those guys, if we can get that back. I believe this is a national championship team. Oh, yeah, I agree 100%. I I do. Because I'll tell you what, the defense, it doesn't have to be ranked first. But I'll tell you what, I truly believe with the talent we got and the new attitude that we have, the new philosophy that we have, I think we are a top 20 defense. And Yeah, I I think we can get, get to top 25. I absolutely do. And if, if we are a top 20, top 25 defense, we have the offense to win a national title. 
Plain let, me, let me tell you how good this offense is going to be, Chris. You ready for this? Okay, if, hit me. If they don't score every drive, they're going to be mad, upset with themselves. And that's good. I like that. That's crazy good, man. Like this team, I'm telling you, Notre Dame, unless Notre Dame comes in here and, and absolutely shocks us with a game plan that we're not expecting, Notre Dame better be ready to score 50-plus points to be in this game. And they can't do it. No. They they can run the ball fairly well. They cannot throw the ball to the point, tune of scoring 50 points in a game. They just well, I, can't. I, I'm, I'm here to tell you what Marcus Freeman's plan is. Marcus Freeman's plan is to run the football and be successful on third and shorts. Yep, and control keep, the clock. Control the clock. Keep the ball away from C.J. Stroud in this offense. If I'm telling you right off the bat, if Notre Dame wins, if if we have to kick them the ball to start the game and Notre Dame goes three and out, game's over. It's lights out. They, oh, yeah. They have to get the lead and they have to play keep away. That is their only way to win this football game. And and quite frankly, that's that's how everybody's going to have to play Ohio State until we get to the college football playoff and we go up against another juggernaut such as like a Georgia and Alabama, et cetera. Until we play one of those teams in the college football playoff, you have to play this game in a phone booth. Make the game quicker. Keep the clock running. Play keep away from this offense. Be Run the football and be successful on third down. That is the formula to beat Ohio State this year, and I just don't know who can do that successfully. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, this isn't – and you mentioned those juggernauts, and I know George is coming off a national title, but they're they're a great running team, but I don't consider them a juggernaut. Alabama is not the Alabama that it's been. I don't care if they do have a Heisman Trophy, a Heisman Trophy uh, quarterback. caliber quarterback. Yeah. That that is not the same Alabama offense that we have seen over the last few years. And, and I'm with you. I mean, we know that we we, we know Hairball is going to trip on himself, so I'm not too concerned about that. I mean, he he got his one win for the decade last year, uh, so I'm not too worried about them. I think getting past Notre Dame is going to be the key element because that game, as you mentioned, that is going to set the tone for the season. And that very first drive, as you said, is going to set the tone for the season. If Freeman can't make this a 21-17 game and he can't, I don't think they stand a chance. They, If I'm Freeman, I want the ball first. I'm going to have some crazy exotic you know, plays and looks for this defense right off the bat. And then I'm counting on my def- on my offensive line to win the line of scrimmage and run the football. That's that's his keys to victory. Um, and just run three yards and fall. That way we can run it another three yards. Yeah, like it, yeah, literally, it's it's the Woody Hayes you know playbook here. Three yards in a cloud of dust. So, all right, everybody, we're gonna take a quick commercial break. We come back. That's right, he's back. Aaron Brown is gonna be joining us as our guest talking about his life, where he's been, what he's up to, what he's going on, what's going on for him, and kind of the plans looking forward for him with the OHIO podcast. Uh, And this, our fourth season, as we follow uh, what's going to be hopefully a national championship winning Buckeye team. So hang tight, everybody. The OHIO podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. 
Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. And welcome back to the OHIO podcast, everybody. And now I am joined by our special guest, although I don't know that he's much of a guest. Sergeant MVP Aaron Brown back doing a little podcast with me tonight. Welcome back to the show, my man. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a long time. I know people are probably still tired of my voice after, what, three seconds now. <laughs> but no. it's 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 been a hot minute since I've been on the show, but it's for good reason. So uh, looking at probably August before I'm back on regularly because the schedule right now is just crazy uh, at work. So August is uh, the target right now. Our, uh, work and life, man. So let, let's. You need to update everybody on on what is going on in the world of Aaron Brown. I know you can't update us on everything because I know you're in the Secret Service military or whatever. <laughs> but but tell it, what, share with everybody, kind of, you know, if you can, what's been going on, and then of course the good news. So. For starters, the whole reason I've been gone most of this time is because I've been on a training mission for a while now. I'm home at this point, obviously, or I wouldn't be on here, but uh, basically it's just a big training mission, and we're back now. Uh, it was a good time. A lot of learning happened, and uh, it's good things. Uh, I'm a section chief now, uh, which is typically a staff sergeant role, so I'm actually serving in a position that's one rank higher than what I actually am. So that's going to look good on the old NCOER for those of you guys that were in the Army that listened to the show. Um, outside of the outside of work life, we just had our third child, uh, A.J. William Brown. He's, uh, what was he, 7 pounds, 12 ounces, 20 inches long, a lot more hair than I have. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's he's a good baby though, man. He he sleeps through the night. He's uh he just he doesn't really cry. He gets the hiccups quite a bit. But um right now I'm on paternity leave and the timing was just right, uh where it's gonna feed into our block leave. So in reality I've got quite a few weeks off right now. So I've just kind of been hanging out with the family and making up for lost time and just kind of taking care of home life and myself and 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 stuff like that. So that's what's going on in my world. Nice. So we got an Austin and AJ. I th I'm feeling quarterback and linebacker. You said maybe <laughs> quarterback, wide receiver. Uh, everybody, anybody who knows you knows that you were one heck of a running back here in <laughs> Delaware County back in the day. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm I'm feeling Ohio State maybe getting a couple recruits from the state of Texas down the road, man. I hope that I am back in Ohio by the time these kids hit high school. I'm going to be straight up, man. <laughs> I'm not getting any younger, and these kids are. So <laughs> I get older, but the, it's still 18, 19 years old that are enlisting, and I, I don't know that I can do this till I'm 50, you know? Yeah. So, so I don't know if you can share with us or not, but I'm going to hint it that obviously with your current um, – commitment uh maybe down the road mr aaron brown possibly one day could be getting back in coaching i mean i got so okay while i was in europe i got contacted by a division three college in ohio and columbus uh capital university and was offered to help out as a uh i was going to break down film so basically 
I wasn't going to be exactly a coach, but kind of, I don't know. What would you call it? Like an advisor, like an advisory role, maybe? Yeah, yeah, it's basically that's what it was going to be. So I would break down film and then kind of help out on the sidelines. So you're not really a coach, but you kind of are, if, if that makes it. You can't coach them on game day, but you can during practice. All you can do during games is kind of like advise. So it's basically right up my alley. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So I, I don't know. I got some family members that are friends uh, with staff members at Notre Dame. Um, and then the individual that contacted me from Capitol is actually uh, pretty good friends with uh, Notre Dame's new head coach. So, mm. uh, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It would kill my soul to go out there, but I, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend like that's that's realistic right now. You know, what I mean? there's a lot of work that has to be done because like it's it's not like I'm James Laurinaitis where I can just call up a buddy and be like, hey, man, <laughs> you, you want to pay me to hang out? <laughs> you, yeah. you know what I mean? So there's a lot of work to be done, but uh, I'm not ruling it out. I, I would really like to go back to high school coaching, too. That would be pretty cool. Well, you were one heck of a coach. I know that and one heck of a player. We're glad to have you here at the OHIO podcast, breaking down film for us and, 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 and educating us, uh, uncultured swine. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Something I stole from you that I've been using ever since. Uh, it, it lives on. <laughs> it, it does live on that and hashtag facts, my man. That's so, uh, so Good. Thanks for the update on that. We're glad the baby's doing good. Heather's doing good and the family's doing good and uh, all of that good jazz. So let's get into a little bit about your fandom, shall we? I mean, we might as well. I've asked all the other listeners about their fandom of Ohio State. Might as well ask you, Mr. Aaron Brown. When did you become a Buckeye fan, man? And 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 why? OK, so. I don't let's see. I was born in 1988. Okay. So obviously I don't remember much up until maybe 1994, 1995. What I remember though is my dad, my grandpa and my uncles, we would get together at my grandparents. First of all, okay, let me preface that we would get together at my grandparents on the, on Saturdays to watch the game, to watch whatever sporting event there was, but primarily it was Ohio state football. So it wasn't an option. It was in my blood, period, psychologically, biologically, and everywhere you can think of, Ohio State was just it. There was no other option, period, especially not from that state up north. So um, that was ingrained in me very early. And uh, I had, you know, those plastic playset football uniforms that come with the helmet? <sighs> they were awesome. They were. And I, I had the old yeah. two-bar face mask one. <laughs> You know, like the kicker version, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. But back, but yeah, yeah. I was like, why don't my, why, why doesn't my helmet look like the ones on TV? <laughs> it didn't occur to me that like, this is a toy. Like we shouldn't be out in the yard hitting people with this, you know, <laughs> but my buddies had them. And, and so we would go out and pretend that we, we were Ohio state. And, uh, but back to the original point, um, I remember in 1995, Ohio state played Boston college to open the season. Okay. Mm -hmm. yep. I don't know why I remember that, but I just, I do. I, I, I don't know anything about the game. I don't even know if we won. I don't recall, but that's where it started. Okay. I remember that, uh, being a thing and that my, my, my parents, my grandparents, uncles, they were all very excited about that. And then a few weeks later, uh, we were at, I think we were at my house for this game at dad's house. And 
my uncle, his, my dad's brother, Uncle Randy, came over with his boys, and they were playing Notre Dame. And I believe that one was at Notre Dame. And I was, yeah. Yeah. And I just remember Eddie George running all (laughs) over them. I remember Mm -hmm. Terry Glenn. I remember all of that game. I don't know why, but that just, it was that point. Ohio State at Notre Dame, 1995, Eddie George. That's when I really was like, this is it. I want to go here when I get older. I want to play for this team. I want to wear these colors. There's there's I will not play for anyone else at any level. Yeah, I was 14 and in junior high. And of course, Ryan, my cousin, was playing on that team. And so I yeah, I have very fond memories of that year. Um, I remember Ryan Miller. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So that was a that was a fun season. Ninety six was another fun season, obviously. Um, for me. So those, those years were, yeah, ingrained in, in, in me. And of course that's when I became a full fledged fanatic was when we won the, the Rose bowl that, that, you know, yeah. I think it was 96. That was yeah. like, the greatest thing ever. All yeah. right. So I, give me, give me your, like some of your top Buckeye memories, man. Well, okay. <laughs> so obviously you, you suffered the nineties the same way I did. Yeah, I know. Okay. Unfortunately, that's, that's a thing. That's a memory. Uh, the frustration involved, like I, as a Buckeye fan, we can't really complain because John Cooper won a lot of football games, man. The problem with him was he couldn't win against rivals and he couldn't win the big game. We mm-hmm. lost. I'm, I'm pretty sure we lost Air Force at, at some point. Yeah, we did. It you was know like what I, the Liberty Bowl or something stupid. Yeah, I, don't, I can't remember. But I know that we lost to them um, the 95 season that I'm talking to you about. I remember Tembiaka Batuka just taking oh. it to our butts. And then we went to the oh, – what was this? The Citrus Bowl maybe. And we I know we played Tennessee, and I don't recall if it was Peyton Manning quarterbacking that. I don't remember that. But I remember it was close, but we still lost. And that just burned my soul that we couldn't win the bowl game. It was the very first one that I ever really remember watching vividly and like we lost. And that Mm -hmm. just burned my soul. So those were some of the memories. Um, But that Notre Dame game with Eddie George, that was that was my probably my most fond memory um, of the 90s. Uh, The early 2000s, though, that took it by fandom to another notch. Yeah, it better (laughs) with. With Maurice Claret, because like I didn't know about recruiting. I didn't know that you could like there were recruiting magazines. I didn't know about any of that stuff. You know what I mean? Like you didn't just walk by and like I, I wasn't looking for that stuff. I didn't well, know like, it existed. 2002. I mean, maybe Phil Steele and and maybe like college like like I don't even think ESPN or Sports Illustrated or anybody was really covering recruiting then. No, like they so, I don't recall them doing that. Very You're limited. right. Yeah, like that this had to be like like the star recruit, the number one overall guy. You know what I mean? You'd hear like, oh, this this star this stud quarterback uh committed to whoever. But mm-hmm. that's it. They didn't go in depth. They, you didn't I didn't know who Maurice Claret was. I didn't know anything about Warren Harding High School, you know right. <laughs> or any of that stuff. So that was really cool. Um I mean, we would do in the 90s, like my grandpa's house in Powell, we would play football in the side yard. And like, that's really where I develop skills. You know what I mean? But we would reenact what we saw on TV, like me right. and my friends. 
that lived in the neighborhood. Shout out to all those guys. Uh, they all went. We all obviously went our separate ways. But that's that's really where my fandom, you know, my memories are from. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the O2 national title game, I wanted to beat Miami because I remember in 1999, we played them and like we thought that we were fast. We thought we were something special. And or at least that was my perception at 11, 10, 11 years old. And uh, we got just throttled it. What you know what I mean? I remember them just being so much faster than us. And then three years later, we're playing them for the national championship game. And I'm like, oh, I I got bad memories from not that long ago of this game. So, you know, that was obviously like a huge comeuppance for me. And it seems like ever since then, the program has been way different. So it, it's been really cool. Those are those are some of my top memories, though. And then obviously, you know, 2014 was Zeke, um, JT Barrett years, Braxton Miller years, um, Terrell Pryor, you know, all those guys, those that just meant the world to me. I, I looked up to those guys and they were they're really an inspiration. So those are some of my memories, though. Um, so let's 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 do this. Which, in your opinion, I'll, I'll give you I'll let you do two or three. Which two or three former Buckeyes do you think? emulate what being a Buckeye is all about the best. Uh, I think we have to go with Archie Griffin first, right? First and foremost, um, because I mean, look at, look at what he's done. He's never left Columbus really. You know what I mean? He's, he has really given back to the community that gave so much to him in, in the form of support and whatnot. So you have to go with him first. Oh, who else would there be? I'm trying to think of like things that people have done, examples I can give. Um, yeah. Knowing you, I would say you would probably lean more to someone like Chris Spielman too. Yeah, yeah, that's an, Chris Spielman's another one. You know, he's he's done a lot for the cancer research community. Right. Uh, through I was a Susan G. Komen. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's that's massive thing right there. So yes, absolutely, good call on that one. Uh, um. Who would be I, honestly? How about Tough Borland? Are you serious, dude? <laughs> <laughs> for anybody who's been listening to our show for the last couple of years, they probably just spit their uh, drink out laughing when I brought that up. Every, <laughs> we know how much you love Tough. It's no disrespect. I'm just saying, if he was a linebacker during the Tressel or Cooper era, he would have been fantastic. But this day and age, that dude cannot run. He is slower than molasses. And everybody crapped all over me when I was talking about Pete Werner. And look who's still in the NFL and look who's not. Just uh, well, throwing that out there. Not only is he still in the NFL, but, like, he's getting, like, last year as a rookie, like, tore it up, dude. Yeah, he's getting playing time. He's not just a special teamer. Oh, you know what I mean? Like he's he's contributing. <laughs> and everybody's like, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and I was like, okay, bud. All right, man. <laughs> well, and you also called, uh, called out the uh, – free safety last year and look what happened this off season. He didn't even stick around. He's like, see you later dudes. I'm out of well, here. I'm not even going to get to play in this new defense here. Well, the writing was on the wall. He was all we had. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, he's not all we had, but apparently that's, that's how Ryan day felt. I would have stuck Ryan Watts back there, but they let him go too. And that, that eats me alive, but it is what it is. You know, it happened. So, but yeah, it's, I don't know. 
that, that some people they just understand chess. You know what I mean? And that's that's me with football. I, it just not to brag or anything like that, but I just I fell in love with this sport so early in life that like this is this is just it just makes sense when I see it. I don't know. All right, fun question. Aaron Brown, you play for the Ohio State University. You're going to get an NIL deal with a car dealership, and you can have any car on that dealership that you want for the next year to drive around. Aaron Brown is going to be driving down 315 and what? Well, given that I got three kids, probably a Dodge Caravan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's powerful. That ain't Aaron Brown. Come on. You got at least a Hummer, right? (laughs) Oh, heck no. I I, honestly, I, you know, my, okay. So it would probably be a Ford Raptor. And there's a little, little backstory there. First of all, I like the truck. Secondly, uh, my grandpa, who passed away in 2018, uh, who you know, he worked at Ford in Columbus for 38 years after he wow. got home from World War II after serving in the Navy. So uh, I, I, I have to I, – I feel like that would be a cool truck to have and then a nice nice little ode to my grandpa. Yeah, good good on you, man. That's that's a good answer. Yeah, and the Ford Raptor is a sweet truck, dude. Yeah. I mean I that's, that a, that's a high-performance, fast vehicle right there. Yeah. Um, all right, cool, cool. All right, uh, couple more questions, man, and I'll get out of your hair. It's been awesome having you back on, catching up again with you. Um, Ryan Day, your thoughts? I, I love the guy. I, I love the guy. Like, I mean, I, there's not much – there's not much bad to go out there against. You know what I mean? Like, there, there's nothing I can say about him. He, he adjusts in-game very well. The offense is ex- as explosive as I have ever seen it in my lifetime. Um, Urban Meyer had a good one, but I feel like Ryan Day just stepped it up. You know, uh, the only thing I, I guess I could say is like, he, I, I feel like he waited a little too long, uh, to get this defense squared away, but not, not really, you know, he had, you gotta give people a chance. And I feel like he did that. He was ethical. He was fair and they did not perform. So he got rid of who he needed to get rid of. And he brought in people that have a proven track record and I'm personally really excited uh, to see what what product we're going to get on the field. So Ryan Day, A plus guy, uh, he supports uh, the psychology community, you know, and that's that's something that's near and dear to my heart because uh, that's something that I would actually like to do when I get out of the army is uh, counseling, social work. And so I, I really appreciate where he's coming from with that and the, the way that he handles it. Um, you know, uh, Harry Miller, we, we're all aware of what his, his situation is, and, and we speculated all season. Is he hurt? Is, a, you know, what's, is he sick just repeatedly? Like, what's going on here? And then uh, I feel like Ryan Day just really handled that professionally, and he kept it in-house. And, and that's being respectful to Harry Miller and his situation, as well as that whole community that deals with with depression and and, and things like that. So uh, I I I got I, I love him on all fronts, and I, I really hope that he sticks around as long as he will as as he can. Beautiful. Yeah, we've been speculating if he's leaving for the NFL or not, and I tell you, I I don't think he is. But if he does, it's because the way college football is right now, it's just it's so chaotic right now. And it it is it is literally the wild wild west. I'm telling you, outside of what you see uh, as far as the product on the field on Saturdays, college football is like the good, the bad, and the ugly. It really is right now. 
and it's and they're all carrying guns and they're all pointed at one another. It, it's it is wild what has happened in college football during the last three off seasons. The change that has happened. Um, real quick, I I don't want to dive into too much because obviously obviously when you come back in August we'll be we will be neck deep into previewing the season and the Buckeyes. But what are your expectations for Ohio State in 2022? Ooh, that's that's kind of a loaded question, um, especially not knowing exactly what's going to go on here uh, with the defense. We know we got coaches in place. We have a lot of uh, we have some ex- returning experience. We got a lot of new guys, some guys that have been in the program but haven't really played a great deal uh, since they've been here, and we're about to find out. Uh, what what we really have, I think the offense, I would expect uh, to continue on the, the trajectory they've been on. I expect an explosive offense. Um, I would expect uh, decent special teams. And then defensively, I look forward to seeing what changes are made. I, I, I genuinely believe we have the athletes to execute uh, what the coaches want. I just don't know if it's going to be at a high level right away. But but we have seen turnarounds like this before where we've had a crap defense one season and then with the exact same guys, they step it up a notch. I, I want to say like 2018, we were garbage. <laughs> and then 2019, we were pretty darn good. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, so, that was Ryan Day's first year. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we've seen this before, you know, um, so it's it's going to be exciting. But as far as overall record, I expect undefeated. And I Beautiful. expect I expect uh, Michigan to absolutely <laughs> get stomped. I think last year was an eye opener for for coach Day and uh, I don't I do not foresee that happening again. I agree. Mr. Sergeant MVP Aaron Brown, what does it mean to you to be a Buckeye? What it means to me to be a Buckeye, okay, is overall excellence to your community, to your program, to your education, to yourself, and obviously to your family. So that's what it means to be a Buckeye to me is just excellence in all of those categories. And I feel like you can't fail at life if you were uh, if you're up to snuff on all those places. Beautiful answer, my man. Hey, enjoy your family and catching up with everybody in the next uh, month and a half. We'll be holding down the fort here as we get ready in a few weeks to start previewing the Big Ten and all of that good jazz. And come August, Aaron will be back to straighten us up and get us ready for the 2022 season. <laughs> Definitely looking forward to having my my film guy back, my educator, my teacher, my professor of uh, football. And uh, But he's definitely not a professor of good looks. Thank goodness your kids look like Heather. That's all I'm going to say. Wow. <laughs> I got a lot of feelings, Eric, and you just hurt every darn one oh, of them. All right? don't give me that. Don't give me that. It's been awesome catching up with you, Aaron. As always, stay kind to one another. I owe someone's OH in St. Carmen, Ohio, with all your heart. And until next time, OH! I owe! Go Bucks. Oh, come, let's sing, oh, Hios praise and songs through rain while our hearts re 
bounding thrill and joy which death alone can still summer's heat oh winter's cold the seasons pass the years will roll time and change will surely show how firm thy friendship oh yo when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.